Yeah, I mean, if I'm also in this other place, this ferry, then I definitely won't be able to record for two months either because Ew. it's like not got like places to. There's like no table in the room, and I'm definitely not doing this in a shared space. Yeah, <laughs> my live studio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm only just used to Sarah being set in here. Strangers? <laughs> well, I guess it won't be strange for you, but... Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Not Hugo intimate. Welcome to Bread and Barricades. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they, them pronouns. And this week, I did an adult thing of... I've complained for almost a year now about how my desk chair <laughs> squeaks every time I move and I'm the one who have to edit these episodes. I edit out so many <laughs> squeaks of these chairs. And so I finally went and I bought some WD-40 <laughs> from the shop, which I got carded for and then like 30 minutes later didn't get carded for alcohol. Anyway, used it and it still fucking squeaks! <laughs> so... Yeah, that was my, my, being an adult is hard. <laughs> yeah. Although, as soon as I'm like, well, now I'm going to swivel so it squeaks, this chair has actually stopped squeaking. Yeah, of course. Oh, no, okay, it's more when I sit up. Here we go. Um, This is Stevie, she, they pronouns, uh, primary researcher. I was just thinking about how sad it is that you're going to be gone for a while. <laughs> yeah. How am I meant to have a good fun time with our buddy Victor Hugo? You're just going to leave me here with Hugo? Yes, he's your assigned partner now. Victor Hugo uh, can come to your um, hen party. <laughs> I feel like he would bring a lot of energy to a hen party. Oh, 100%. I think he would hit on every single one of our friends. <laughs> there wouldn't be an energy we'd want. Yeah. But he'd sure be there with it which has mm, yeah nothing to do with this chapter <laughs> Hugo's horny energy I don't think that's just a consistent apart he... from when we need it most <laughs> yeah really <laughs> lift our fucking spirits he is back on his slang though so he remembered that that's what he was doing a couple chapters ago when he was like, now let me teach you about slang and then forgot that that was what he was doing. So I think that was just to justify that he's going to be using slang again. Because he really needs to justify things. Well, it's that he like used it and then was like, let me justify it. And then he like does it again. Mm. Like a little sandwich of education. <laughs> but when you like, you are all going to know who the boys are who are using all the slang but it does not translate into English, so I'm not going to point out every single instance and what it would have been in the French. Mm -hmm. Just know that every time one of these boys speaks, there's never been so many footnotes on a page. <laughs> <laughs> so this chapter is, a cab drives in English and barks in slang. A cab. Which <laughs> I was like, what the fuck does that mean? But no, it does make perfect sense, actually, when you go in. So let us go okay. in. It is the 3rd of June, 1832. A oh, date... that's when I'll next be free. <laughs> <laughs> A date that needs to be mentioned because of the grave events that at the time hung like storm clouds on the Paris horizon. Hmm. That... Grave event is that Marius is back. 
No, the bitch is back, baby. <laughs> so he's doing what he always does, which is have rapture in his heart. <laughs> and then he catches sight of Eponine through the trees. On it, so I think he's trotting to Cosette's place. And he sees Eponine and he's like, two days in a row is too much. So the altercation, is that the word I would use, between him and Eponine, where she, you know, pops up and is like, oh, how are you? And he's mm. a bitch. <laughs> Happened yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not looking at you two days in a row. So he goes in a different direction and takes a different what route. The you're like, it's Bro. literally so unnecessary. Though, if I did see one of my colleagues coming out of a building, I would go a different way <laughs> forever. Yeah. My route has changed forever. But Marius but is a, a bitch, work so. colleague. <laughs> also, she's the one yeah. who like led him to his gal. Yeah, that's true. So she does end up following him, <laughs> which leads to Rupame, which she hasn't done before. The stalker becomes the stalker. Yeah. The stalker becomes the, the stalk, even. <laughs> um, I thought it said... Oh, dyslexia strikes again. I thought that it said that she's not even aware that she's following him, but it's that he's not aware that she's following him. I see, I see. Yeah, um, he, he he's unaware that he's a prey animal. Yeah, and has been this whole time. Um, yes. So she sees him shift a railing and go into the garden and she's like fancy that he's going into the house and she tests all of the railings in the gate and easily identifies the one that marius has been moving so that he can get in and out and he, she's like oh about it so she sits right next to the railing as if she's guarding it and she's kind of like tucked into this little nook where you wouldn't notice her especially because it's getting dark it's about 10 p.m now and she's been sat there in the gloom for an hour consumed by her thoughts just like and like a man passes by at one point and just hears this threatening voice like i wouldn't be surprised if he came here every evening hmm. and he just like quickens his pace and r- walks off which the individual was right to hurry because a few minutes later six men walking separately and some distance from each other Hugging the walls and might have been mistaken for a night patrol, enter Rupame. Mm. They all start to congregate and they're speaking in their subdued voices, and each one of them is using a different style of slang <laughs> in every sentence. So they're like, Oh, is this the place? Is there a cab in the garden? And cab in slang means dog. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, the cab doesn't bark. The bark, the cab, whatever. The cab the title does was. bark. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, oh, I don't know. In any case, they brought a meatball for us to give it, if it if mm. there is one. Um, oh, it's kind of... Sorry. I, the, the, it's actually not that funny, but... <laughs> uh, making myself laugh over a stupid thing. Because ACAB being a dog and Chavez persona being a dog. Uh, like, it makes sense. It all comes round. When are you... I don't know what you would make out of that. A fan art? A placard? <laughs> <laughs> a chapter in your new next, I guess, book instead of PhD? Yeah. A tattoo. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> a tattoo that just says, A cab, more like Chavez persona. <laughs> <laughs> And the only person who can pass it is me and you. 
good as it should be. Yeah. And I just keep a meatball in my pocket to hand to you. And we're like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's like, Simon Lewis. <laughs> Except in three years' time, where we're like, what did this mean again? Who yeah. knows? <laughs> and our friends are just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, they would just assume it's a lamest thing. Yeah, they would. It's always right and true. They've brought some putty to break the window, and then there's a fifth voice. He had a voice like a ventriloquist's. Mm-hmm. So imagine what you would for that. It's like, oh, it's an old gate. And they're <clears> like, oh, that's great. It'll be, it won't be so hard to cut through it. I uh, hear old gay and not old gate. That I was like, yeah, I mean, he is, but. (laughs) (laughs) They're inspecting the gate, the gate, just as Eponine had done an hour earlier. And they also find Maris's loose railing. And the man, the sixth man who hasn't spoken yet, is about to seize a hold of it, but a hand comes out of the dark and clamps onto his arm. (laughs) And a hoarse, restrained voice says, There's a cab! So there's a dog. Uh, and the pale figure of a girl stands in front of him. Who and... is this hussy? Yeah. Don't you know your own brat? <laughs> yeah, literally. And I was like, oh, wow, the songs are so li- literal from the <laughs> text. <laughs> but yeah, he's like absolutely gagged that this has happened. He's bristling horribly because he's so sh- shocked to have been grabbed. <laughs> There is no more formidable sight than of a wild beast disturbed. Its fear is fearsome. And yeah, he's like, who's his baggage? And she's like, your daughter. So it's Eponine speaking to Thenardier. And she can see that all of these men's have some horrific looking tools of some kind. And Thenardier's like, what do you want with us? Are you crazy? Like, what, like, what are you doing? And she just starts laughing and... Basically just like hangs off of his neck. And I was like, I'm here, my dear pa, because I'm here. Um, it's sitting on the ground not allowed these days. You're the one who shouldn't be here. Why have you come seeing as this place is a biscuit? I told Menon that. So yeah, because she told them like, oh no, there's no- this place isn't worth robbing. Like, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Via biscuit thrown into the over the wall of a prison or mm. something. Yeah. And she's like, oh, but give me a hug. It's been such a long time since I saw you. And he's trying to free himself from her, but she's grappled on tight. He's like, all right, Marius hug me. Marius isn't worth this, Eponine. <laughs> <laughs> she really gives this a fucking all. He's not... Ugh. After he literally was like, I'm going to go a different route to get away from you. You're not... He's not worth it, honey. <laughs> Me banging on the toilet wall. <laughs> He's not worth it. Yeah, she's like, no matter what, she's hanging on to him and is still doing the like, oh, how did you manage to get out? You must have been so clever. <laughs> Tell me all about it. And what, what's news of my mum? And he's like, she's fine. Clear off. And she's like, I don't want to clear off yet. Um, I haven't seen you in months. You hardly had the time to give me a hug. And the other guys are like, let's just get on with it. You're not needed in this. <laughs> We're enough here without you. <laughs> this scene is probably the only one where I'm like, yeah, they did it. They adapted it properly. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah, basically, word for word. Um, yeah, because then she turns to the boys next and is like, oh, don't you recognize me? How are you, Mompanas? And Tanari's like, yes, everyone recognizes you. Hello, goodbye. Leave us alone. We're doing a job. She takes Montparnasse's hand and he's like, oh, careful, you cut yourself. I've got an unsheathed lingre 
which is a knife. Okay. Um, <laughs> and she's like, oh no, Wampanoag, you should trust people. I'm my father's daughter after all. I'm the one who's given this job to look into and I said it, there's nothing doing. So it is remarkable that Eponine was not using slang. Since meeting Marius, she had become incapable of speaking that dreadful language. <laughs> Don't let him change you. Yeah. <laughs> this is also a line that I, I talked about in, in my PhD. Because I was like, he literally is like, oh, isn't it so cute and cool that Gavroche uses all of this slang? Like, Prisians are the fucking best. We have the best slang ever. And then it's like, anyway, Eponine doesn't use dirty slang because she's much better than them. <laughs> They're dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> Testing. <laughs> he just like can't help himself, Hugo. Yeah. He loves it so much, but he just thinks it's the pits. <laughs> <laughs> How does he sleep at night reconciling these parts of himself? <laughs> how do we, I guess, like, how do we sleep at night reconciling <laughs> this love and hate of Linus? <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep at night. And, it's, and it's I'm gonna now. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna start blaming Hugo for my lifetime of. I was preemptively having uh, <laughs> insomnia issues for a lifetime, knowing that one day I was gonna have to deal with Victor Hugo. I do think that if you start going to your doctors and you're like, I know what it is, it's Victor Hugo causing insomnia. I feel like they'll um, put you somewhere else. But, they'll um, do something to me about they'll be, it. They'll give you enough drugs to uh, <laughs> not make you insomnia. So- something will change for sure. Yeah, yeah. Your life circumstances <laughs> will will be different. Well, as Eponine says to them, I would be taking an unnecessary risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, "There's nothing for you in this house, I swear." Um, and they're like, oh, there's women on their own here. And she's like, no, 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 those people have moved out. And they're like, well, the candles haven't. And then they all like look through the treetops to the house and you can see a light moving about because Toussaint has stayed up and is hanging some washing to dry. Stephanie's so like, fuck, uh, well, they're very poor. There's nothing to steal here. And Tanadi is like, no, like not until I've turned the place upside down and checked the cellars and the attics. I'll tell you when it, there's nothing in here to steal. <laughs> Tries to push her aside. So Eponine turns to Montparnasse again. And it's like, you're a decent lad. I beg you not to go in there. And again, he's like, you be careful. You're going to cut yourself. Mm. But instead of on his knife, she's going to cut herself I guess all that according to fandom because I didn't know much about Montparnasse I know you were saying he's your special little boy but (laughs) I was very surprised when I didn't know anything about him except for that when he was one of the rowdy boys that he does get shipped with Eponine not always in a like and this is a bad situation kind of way yeah I think they have that thing going on where people are like, these two are the two that could have got out, and if they had Mm. each other slash if they had support, they probably could have done. Yeah, I see that. And I feel like it's also one where it's like the... the they're, they're like childhood friends, but she's gone to pine after Marius and he can be like sad about it, but she'll come back uh-huh. to him because he's actually supportive. I feel like that I've seen that a bit. Okay. Not that I read... I love their fix, but they're in the background a lot of fix. Yeah. So. And I guess he's the 
sexy bad boy? Question mark? I think more actually that he's less a sexy bad boy and that's that people headcanon him as being secretly very soft and that she's the sexy bad boy and he's the one that like she's like you know it's that reverse thing where it's like oh he needs to be deprogrammed and she needs to be like loved (laughs) yeah so Mm -hmm. i see it and they have a lot of hand holding going on here and We've done more with less, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, people also ship Montparnasse with Jahan, who I don't believe they ever talk in this novel. Or sometimes that's even better. Exactly. There's no canon to foggy up the uh, (laughs) relationship. Yeah, and that one's definitely because Jahan is the one who's headcanoned as, like, the flower power poet. Yeah. And Montparnasse is, like... The sexy, cool, bad boy who is actually not a sexy, cool, bad boy, but like together they have that aesthetic of butch, leather, and femme flowers. Yeah. Except Montparnasse is also femme flowers. Yeah, that's the thing though. But then, like, yeah, I, I guess. To make him modern day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Boo! Boo! Cowards! <laughs> They're two different type of soft flower boy. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely read ones where they're both, like, hanging out in a graveyard because they're both, like, emo poets who are, like, Montparnasse (laughs) is like, oh, I just have to be around death and, like, is just wearing, like, loads of black and lace and Jahan is like, I love being around death and rebirth. Okay, that's acceptable and makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That's canon. And Eponine is in a sexy leather jacket that's Yeah, Oscar. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's definitely okay. also there. Yeah, I'm glad that we've come to these conclusions. I don't know what I was trying to say there. <laughs> bang, 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 is... canon. <laughs> yeah, my head is such pudding. But yeah, so yeah, Tenardier's like, basically for fuck's sake, let us go about our business. And she's like, oh, so you're going to go in this house then? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> she sticks her back against the gate. And confronts the six villains who are armed to the teeth and look like demons in the dark. And she's like, well, I'm not going to let you. And they're all just like, "Ah, what? (laughs) They all stop in their tracks, completely astounded and stop sniggering and like joshing with each other about how they're just like going to go in there. And she's like, yeah, um, listen carefully. I'm doing the talking now for a start. If you go in that garden, if you touch the skate, I'll scream. I'll go banging on doors. I'll wake the neighborhood. I'll have all six of you rounded up and I'll call the police. And Tanadio's like, yeah, she would. <laughs> She's like, yeah, dad, starting with you. Mm. He tries to take a step and she's like, not so close. He's like, well, what's got into her, bitch? She's like, Haha, well, please yourself, you won't get in. I can't be the daughter of a dog, seeing as I'm the daughter of a wolf. The six of you, what's that to me? You're men while I'm a woman and you don't frighten me. Um, if you come nearer I'll fuck I don't care less about you Um, I'm not going to let you in you can use your knives, I'll use my feet come on then (laughs) she takes a step towards him and she's terrifying and she's Mm. just like laughing at them and she's like I'm not scared, this summer I'll be hungry this winter I'll be cold so like what? Mm. frightened of what just because you got pathetic fancy women who hide under the bed when you raise your voice i'm not scared of anything her eyes blaze at them the specter went on what do i care if i'm picking up off the pavement 
if I'm picked up off the pavement tomorrow morning, knifed to death by my father, or found a year from now, basically like drowned in the river, I think, yeah, that's what she's basically saying. Um, mm. Like you would see a drowned dog or a co- uh, corpse <gasps> floating. Oh no, all the river. Javert's a drowned dog. <laughs> it always comes back to that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and like she has to pause to cough. So Hugo can remind us that she's probably going to die anyway. Yeah. Her weak, narrow chest wheezing, but she's like, I just have to shout and there'll be folk in here in no time. Six of you, but I've got everybody with me. Mm. We'll come back to that line in just a sec. Mm-hmm. And Tanaria tries to step towards her again and she's just like, get back! Um, he's like, alright, I won't come any nearer, but keep your voice down. Don't you feel kindly towards your father anymore? And she's like, I've got no time for you. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the end of the chapter, so maybe I should pause it for the like the um the six of you, but I've got everybody with me. I just have to like shout. That was like, uh I guess that's like the barricade boys were like Oh, you've oh got an God. army. But I've just got it we just have to raise our voices and we'll have everyone with us and then they get let down. Just like she's getting let down. That's so good, Stevie. Oh my god. <laughs> Eponine is friends. She is. Fuck. That's so cool. God, Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> you got us again, Victor Hugo. Well yeah. done. And it's Blah. like, yeah, she doesn't even have a year left on her. Because she fucking dies at the place where nobody, like, comes to her eventually oh, and she's so sure she's got everybody and is it Anjolas? I'll find out soon enough I guess that they're <laughs> like no the people will rise and you're like they're not going to yeah oh my god yeah she sits down in, and still in front of the little gate swinging her foot with an air of indifference <laughs> <laughs> the drama like her and Javert as oh my a god, the baddest bitches alive <sighs> Imagine them as a drag house. Like, it'd be too much. It'd be too powerful. Ugh. They would destroy every. They would be way too powerful. People wouldn't yeah. even be able to look at them. Like, age-wise, Javert should be the drag mother, but, like, he has more to learn from Eponine, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like she is still quite bratty. I mean, not that Javert isn't, but I feel like he has the I'm not going anywhere, you will come to me. And then, mm. like, impatience of, like, I did my time. Why, why is it not my time to win these drag awards? Mm. And then she's, like, not showing up on time. And everyone's, like, people rely on you. You're not just a single person anymore. You need to be, like, part of the family. And she's, like, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, my God. Where's the drag adaptation of this? <laughs> I think this is why they, well, maybe they will interact in the text, but... Oh my uh, god, a house that's Bishop Muriel and uh, Jean Valjean, that's like the solid opposite of the Javert Eponine house, where it's just like loving and kind. Bishop Muriel and Jean Valjean, like, I think that Bishop Muriel would be Jean Valjean's, like, I am your mother, but not your drag mother. Because actually, Bishop mm. Muriel, who would be like, would save up all of the like sweetness for when isn't in character. Yeah, but 
has the energy and potential to actually be the like drag godmother or, yeah. or, or um, grandmother of Javert and Eponine's house. Oh like, my god! Oh, <gasps> you two think you're so hot shit, but you have so much to learn still. <laughs> yeah, uh, and a potential other is Bishop Muriel as trans fag dad of the household as well, with the like Bishop uh, with the. Um, his sister and Magloire uh, and Baptistine as the like drag mothers in the house and they're always like you're too kind on the children and he's like a little <laughs> bit of kindness is good in a household <laughs> but then like in a the library is open goes from like okay like uh, let's all just have good a good time together and like let's all like learn it just absolutely decimates everyone yeah 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 100% ah uh, yeah <laughs> and then Cosette is like the person I feel like there would be so much discourse as well because if she was a trans woman people are like oh like she's she passes too well or like she's mm. not fishy enough like all of those kind of things that happen in drag communities as well but like oh it's it it's not fair if you actually pass or like if you got hormones very early or like stuff like that that hmm mm, the things that could happen mm. <laughs> or even the like the the AU where she is still the bell of the ball, even if she quote unquote doesn't pass as what we assume cis women look like. <laughs> Marius has like can a hundred percent be the the new trans boy who is like stumbles in <laughs> or is like introduced by Confer and Kufarak and does not know what's happening around him. And then we just anyway. have um our fave Fosh Levant, who is just like giving us the uh, just canonically is a um, oh my god, a dame in a fucking what is it called? Panto, Panto dame. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And is never out of character. Yeah, her melons. (laughs) So I'm glad that (laughs) another motion has been passed. So she's doing her little, like, I'm so nonchalant, even though there's, like, all of these thugs around me and my (laughs) shit-ass dad. Mm. They all, dumbfounded and dejected for being thwarted by a girl, go, like, stand in this other little shadow to, like, confer (laughs) among each other (laughs) in fury and humiliation. And they're like, oh, uh, something's got into her. It's just two women and an old man living in a backyard. Like, we we should just do it. Don't want to miss out on this one. Oh, and they're like, there's a quite good curtains on the windows. The old boy must be a Jew. I think we're on to a good thing here. Uh-huh. Those good curtains. Montparnasse is like, let's just get on with it. Like, I'll stay here with the girl and if she gives me any trouble and he reveals his knife. <laughs> and this is when I was like, oh, they sure are shipped a lot for how... <laughs> Willing he is to stab her. Yeah. Um, but Brujon. The knife who... is his dick, as we all know. <laughs> okay, well then, as long as she's into it, that's fine. Yeah. Brujon, who was something of an oracle. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> um, which I might start describing you as. 
Uh, <laughs> for no particular reason, not that you've been particularly oracle but it's just like, what it's a thing to say. Um, I kind of want to put that in my bio. <laughs> something my of an oracle. Somewhat, somewhat, something of an oracle. <laughs> Um, and he's also the one who set up the job and he hasn't spoken yet. He had the reputation of stopping at nothing. He was known to have one day burgled a police station just out of sheer bravado. <laughs> was was he the one that was kind of bro with Javert? Or was it Babe? Um, I can't remember. I, can't, I swear one of them, when Javert like, came into the scene when Jean Valjean had just fucking branded himself, yeah. were doing that like naughty kid and teacher like ha 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 we've yeah. got them because i've seen you so many times and i want to say it was one of the bees so let's i feel like the brav- sheer bravado of just like trying to bag a police station i feel like surely there's something in there that javert would be like lol yeah that that tumblr post that's like i just think that objectively people shouldn't go to prison for funny crimes and it's yeah. like over the picture of the man stealing the 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 siren from the top of a police car running away like Nina Nina. <laughs> There's literally Bruja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also made up verses and songs, which gave him great authority. So that could also be said about you, I guess, Nemo. That you have great authority because you make songs for your musicals. Oh my god. Yeah, that's what people say. Yeah. Something of an oracle with great authority. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, the thing is, this morning I came across two sparrows fighting. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was the full stop there. Yeah. And that that was all he said. Because that is quite oracle-y. He's like, "Uh, I came across two sparrows fighting. This evening I bump into an argumentative woman. That's bad. Let's be off. (laughs) And then they do. They just go. (laughs) <laughs> Montparnasse was like oh well if you'd wanted I would have finished her off <laughs> and Bobet's like not me I don't raise a hands against a woman <laughs> what a feminist yeah <laughs> really working Wait, hard is it, is it anti-feminist to not hit a woman <laughs> <laughs> that's what Montparnasse says next yeah so they're all just kind of grumbling as they leave and Eponine doesn't take her eyes off of them watching them sort of slink away and she sort of slowly creeps after them for a little while until they disperse into the darkness. And then we get a very short chapter that at first I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then I was like, it's a metaphor, Kim. I'm back with you, Hugo. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, so once the villains were gone, Rupert resumed its quiet nighttime appearance. What had just taken place in this street would have been no surprise in a forest. And he does his, like, because they're so overgrown and there's trees and brambles and it's just inherently sinister. If an Eponine cries for help in a forest, can anyone hear? Oh, well, actually, no, this is a this is a chapter about how fucking terrifying she is. Okay, good. So in this sinister forest and there's mist and nature even takes fright at the approach of certain things in which it believes it detects the supernatural so even though there's these like bloodthirsty bestiality but (laughs) i get that he means in the like bestial um, Uh, ravenous uh, (laughs) voracious appetites um, 
<laughs> yeah, you're like, actually, the sentence isn't helping. <laughs> so all these like toothed and clawed creatures in search of prey with talons and jaws become anxious when they scent the shrouded spectral form on the prow. These brute beasts of mere matter are obscurely afraid of dealing with the great unknown condensed into some strange being. The ferocious is afraid of the sinister, wolves back away from any encounter with a ghoul, and then was like, oh yeah, because Eponine's the ghoul and a spectre and a creature. Yeah, that's why the men left, because they're just like, what the fuck is going on? Hmm. The vibes aren't right. So, I'm glad she can harness her energy. Yeah, she she just kind of sad though, isn't it? She did a good job, though. A job yeah. she didn't have to do, but she did yeah. it. And all you're yeah. thinking is like, Marius literally was like, oh, I don't want to see you two days in a row. And if she hadn't, they would have broken it into that house. Yeah. Like if she hadn't gone to stand guard at the, at the gate and scare him off. <sighs> because guess who we're going straight into now? Oh. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Your groan of dismay was correct. <laughs> I mean, there were two options. One of them was Varshad. You fucking wish. God. And you do. Yeah. I feel like there's the spectre of Valjean, though, in this chapter. Yeah, she saved him in this chapter. Well, I mean, in this coming one, even though it, oh, okay, it's Marius, okay. it's not Valjean, but like, okay. Valjean is there. I like to think he knows more than he probably does in this coming mm. chapter. So. While the she-dog in human form kept guard at the gate, Marius was at Cosette's side. Never had the sky been starrier or more spellbinding. Never had the birds fallen asleep among the leaves with sweeter sound. Never had Marius been happier, more smitten, more enraptured. But Cosette is sad and has been weeping. The first cloud in that wonderful dream in which we know that Marius lives. (laughs) And he's like, oh, what is it? She's like, I'll tell you. My father told me this morning to make preparations. He has some business to attend to and we might be going away. And then this line actually topically made me think of Nemo. Okay. When you are at the end of your life, dying means going away. When you're at the beginning of it, going away means dying. <laughs> it's true. Because the way me and Sarah have been talking about Nemo going for not even really a month. But kind of. You would think that they were leaving us. <laughs> Exiting this mortal coil. <laughs> I might as well be. God, a two hour train ride away. It's the other uh, side of the world. So that one resonated today. Yeah. Going away means dying. So you're like, oh no, we are Marius. <laughs> Hugo, Victor Hugo was writing this for us specifically. At this exact moment. Yeah, he is always there when we need him, which is very odd. That's true. <laughs> He's usually quite topical. The the, okay. the way of reading that is that we can always make it topical. And but well, but we know that I can't even remember what it was that we said a while back, where we're like, "He's." Oh, I'm not even actually going to try and do it. He he knows what we were going to say about him, and then he went back and changed Lomo's to <laughs> at us yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. So he says something very topical to us, and then he's like, now I'm going to really make 
Nemo especially. Like everyone, but you're going to hate this. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, everyone would, but like as a, because I know I'm reading it to you, I was like, Nemo's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Marius had taken possession of Cosette. Mm-hmm. In a totally abstract sense, mm-hmm. says Hugo, um, as we've already explained with first love, the soul is taken long before the body. Later, the body is taken before the soul. Sometimes the soul is not taken at all. That one's fine, actually. You're like, okay, I get what you're saying, Hugo. The excitement of first love is like nothing else, blah, blah, blah. No, Marius' possession of Cosette was a spiritual possession. Hmm. He enveloped her with his entire soul and jealously laid claim to her with incredible conviction. He possessed her smile, her breath, her perfume, the deep radiance of her blue eyes, the softness of her skin. They had agreed to never sleep without dreaming of each other and they had kept their word. Oh god. (laughs) That one made me laugh actually. (laughs) He possessed all of Cosette's dreams. Um, He contemplated and adored the things she wore. Ribbons, gloves, cuffs, ankle boots as sacred objects of which he was master. Yeah. He dreamed he was lord of those pretty tortoiseshell combs she wore in her hair. At Cosette's side he felt close to his own property. His chattel, his despotic ruler, and his slave. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how how did you know that I I, I wrote an entire <laughs> chapter about that <laughs> language? Mm, weird, huh? Marius was something that formed part of Cosette, and Cosette was something that formed part of Marius. To have Cosette, to possess Cosette, this was, to him was inseparable from breathing. This virginal possession Mm. of an absolute and extraordinary nature, this supremacy that these words were going away were sprung on him, basically hits him in the face of the reality, because that doesn't belong to you. Yeah. I hate him so much. (laughs) He, He, like, peppers things in there where you're like, yes, there's, like, a thing in there where... It's like, you know, when there'll be like one or two kind of romantic lines. I didn't read them out because it's funny or not to. But like things that like I am like, okay, I can see. And then he goes off on the possession rant. So you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Have I already done the 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 why it's problematic to headcanon Cosette as a person of color yet? Uh, not in relation to this particular line. Well, the TLDR of it is that the the reason why I was talking about the, this line, and it comes up quite a lot that Marius, like whenever he talks about, whenever Hugo talks about Marius's thoughts of Cosette, from now on, he think he calls her his possession and his slave, and that he owns her and all of this kind of stuff. And I am like. I do find it kind of ick reading those things and that either in fandom Cosette is depicted as a white blonde woman or a black woman. And those are kind of the two most common headcanons. And I don't think it's on purpose that people do that because of this language. But... Mm. I, I was arguing in my PhD that it's kind of like 
intensely uncomfortable thing to be headcan like for the second most common headcanon to be a black woman when Marius's language about her are consistently things like my slave and mm. my possession. And again, I don't think that anyone in the fandom is doing it on purpose, but then it's like, where's the reading comprehension for this when like people will gladly talk about Apollo, like Andre, all of the Andras references, about all of the Quantaire references, about all of the Greek literature references, like arguing over Javert's like um, wolf things and, you know, that people will gladly spend hours and hours doing vocabulary breakdowns for all of these other characters but when it comes to Cosette like that that isn't addressed mm. yeah so that that, that that was yeah you're right I, I hated this section <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah don't really I don't know what you can really do about it <laughs> yeah because it's like well I don't know whether this should be the way it feels or not but mm. you're like it's creepy enough and bad enough, like, imagining him saying all this about a white blonde woman. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's, like, completely different connotations if she's yeah. black. But then I kind yeah. of imagine, not obviously not everyone, not to brush the whole fandom with the, paint the whole fandom with the same brush stroke. Mm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But you can kind of imagine, you know, when fandoms do the, like, no, we need to be more woke. Yeah. That they're thinking, what's the opposite of a white blonde <laughs> woman? It's a black yeah. woman. So yeah. they're like, ha ha, we've like completely flipped it. But yeah, not. And then it's probably also that like so many layers, I imagine so many layers of it, but you know, fandom usually just doesn't care about women yeah. in the same way as male characters. So they're probably not reading, like, let alone not reading into probably just like not actually even focusing on reading the bits yeah with Cosette to even realize this is a thing worth discussing I could see for sure I mean like I I'm also guilty of it right like I started doing this PhD only focusing on Javert and Jean Valjean and then started looking at characters like Eponine and Cosette and was like oh woof I don't think that fandom talks about this stuff either. Um, This is quite racialized. And that's really where a lot of the like arguments about racialization came in. Because as ever, the characters in fandom who don't get a lot of different representations because there aren't very many of them are women. And yeah, I think that you're right. But the like the thinking in fandom being, oh, okay, Hugo is fetishizing the white, blue-eyed blondness of this character. Hmm, how can we un- unpick that? Well, we'll just go with black woman. That'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think the-, the simplicity of that is the downfall of it. Because <laughs> I guess, well, I don't know, that would make a... I don't come to fanfics anything but a good time yeah would be an interesting would be an interesting and much darker thing to read 
if she was black and actually getting into all of that with Marius. But that would more be like some sort of psychological <laughs> horror book that you separately read. Yeah, for sure. And you would want a very, to it, very specific it. person to be writing. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a good play. Well, there's an interesting play. I don't know about good. I, I don't know. That's not me being like shady about it. It is an interesting play called Slave Play. It's written by a man called Jeremy O'Harris and it is about exploring black characters who have a slave fetish and they go to an event where they explore that fetish with their white partners and their white partners express their discomfort or extreme comfort with the roles being put on them. And it is a very, like I say, interesting play because it goes Mm. into thought processes that you don't typically see on stage or anywhere really, which is like a black man writing the perspective of black characters who want to explore that fetish that is incredibly taboo, I would say, in society. And it makes you come out being like, I don't know how to feel about that as someone who is not black. Uh, And, you know, I've seen black people who have the opinion that this play should not be on stage. And I've seen black people who are like, that was very useful to have on stage because it starts a conversation about things that we can't really talk about. Mm. Um, So, but yeah, I don't think that maybe... A white fanfic writer should be the person <laughs> doing that yeah. um, exploration, um, uh, and and I don't know, yeah, because I, I, I've read some very very good fanfics in my time that have made me reconsider my political opinions. <laughs> so mm. it's not even that like oh you know a fanfic shouldn't be the place to explore this, but um, yeah, no, just. Yeah, because same, there's some that are like, you know, there's some really incredible writers out mm. there. Just that, at least what I'm imagining <laughs> you could do with that yeah. is not the sort of topic that I would be like, I'm going to sit down with my <laughs> fanfic and read this one for a fun time. But there's yeah. people who do go out, purposely go to read fanfics that are like, I want to be hurt by this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, you could do something really. Uh, <laughs> That could definitely uh, do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as it was tagged properly and everything was oh, yeah. in order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm just imagining that fic now. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All it's, this... it's definitely less fun than the drag AU. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely doing a different job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Marius is like, oh, shit. She doesn't belong to me. And that wakes him up out of this daydream that he's been in for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, lost for words. And now Cosette's the one who's like, oh, what is it? And he's like, I don't understand what you said. Mm. And she's like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, this morning my father told me to pack up all my things and be ready to leave. We're going away. We need a larger trunk for me and a small one for him to be ready within a, in, within a week from now. And we might be going to England. <laughs> and that's where I'm like to imagine the like because last we saw of Jean Valjean, he has no clue that something's <laughs> up with Cosette and that not even the possibility that a man could be involved. <laughs> but I like to think that he like he realized 
this morning and was like, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're going to England right now. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I can't remember whether that's true or not, even though we just saw the play and I just watched the film. So excited to find out why he's actually leaving and hope that it's this reason. Um, <laughs> and Marius was like, that's outrageous. In his mind, no abuse of power, no violence, no abomination by the worst tyrants, uh, no deed of Bucerus, Tiberus, or Henry VIII could have equaled in ferocity this. <laughs> it's true, taking someone to England is pretty much the height of violence. <laughs> Monsieur Fauchelevent taking his daughter off to England because he has business there? <laughs> no one wants business here. No. Um, when will you return? He didn't say. Marius rose and said coldly, Cosette, will you go? She's, her eyes are filled with anguish and she's kind of bewildered. She's like, where? Like, to England, will you go? And he starts using the formal vu like he did to <laughs> Eponine really recently. So you're like, oh, I'm seeing a pattern of fucking behavior here, yeah, boy. red flags. <laughs> He's red when those two get together down. in the thick to compare notes, yeah, they're gonna have a lot to say about that one. Oh um, my god, babes, <laughs> you need to talk this through. <laughs> he started punishing you uh... immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, because she's like, "Why are you saying boo to me?" And he's like, "I'm asking you whether you'll go." And she's like, "What do you expect me to do?" Clasping her hands, and he's like, "Then you will go." She's like, "Well." my father's going then you will go she clutches his hand and she doesn't reply so he's like very well then i'll go elsewhere <gasps> fucking bitch i'm gonna I'm... get rid of him <laughs> she turns so pale that her face showed white in the darkness and she stammers out of what do you mean he looks heavenward and is like nothing but when he looks back at her she's smiling the smile of a woman you love has a radiance that can be seen in the dark how silly we are, Marius. I have an idea. What is it? You'll come too if we go away. I'll tell you where. Come and join us wherever I am. But he's a man fully awake now. He's returned to reality. He's like, go away with you. Are you mad? That costs money and I don't have any. Go to England. I owe Kufarak like 10 Louis and a friend. he's a friend of mine. You don't know. <laughs> It's I have all, an old... Oh my god. It's so it's just so... like... <laughs> oh, and I bet you he's definitely the kind of person who's like, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. Like, <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Give me fucking one second. <laughs> the oracle has spoken. Oh my god. Something of an oracle. <laughs> um, Not that I've read this book before or anything. <laughs> You're an oracle. You saw two sparrows this morning and you knew Marius was that guy. Um, he's like, I have an old hat that's not worth three francs and a coat that's missing its buttons and a torn shirt for the last six, six weeks. I haven't thought about it and I haven't told you because I'm an impoverished wretch. You've only seen me at night and you'll give me love. If you saw me in daylight, you'd give me a sou. Go to England. Huh. I haven't even enough to pay for a passport. Like, that's her fault. Yeah. So then fucking go to your day job, Marius. Where's that German translation yeah. shit that you've been avoiding doing? He throws himself against a nearby tree with both <laughs> arms above his head and his forehead against the bark. 
doesn't even feel the wood grazing his skin. And he's just stood there motionless, the statue of despair. And he remained like that for a long time. And when you read that, you know, you're like picturing this whole scene and this all going on. You're like, okay, a long time. 15 minutes? I don't know. He's there for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) He only comes out of it because he hears Cosette sobbing. She's just been weeping at his side for more than two hours while he's Christ. just been in thought. Like, oh my god. This fucking sucks, Cosette. Um, this is not but... a good start to your relationship, Cosette. <laughs> if he's doing this over like a thing that can be surmounted, you should. Oh he loved Bob and her for six weeks. <laughs> he did! And then he immediately rescinded the lo- like he's showing all of the classic signs. Ugh. They'd have so much to say about this on a ninety day gaze live <laughs> reality show podcast. This shit comes up a lot in Love Island and Lovers Blind and Lovers a lot of different things. <laughs> this is such a classic ninety day fiance scene, like ridiculous. <laughs> Um, ah, and also the father-in-law like fucking hates him. Ah, oh, this would be such a good ninety-day uh, <laughs> AU. Maybe that's what I have to write. Yeah, I, I that's what I come to bed with. Yeah. Um, oh, and she's trying to go to England. It could have been ninety-day the other way. <laughs> uh, anyway, because he notices her weeping. Finally, after two hours of it. He turns to her, he falls to his knees, prostrating himself, took the tip of her foot, peeping out from under her gown and kissed it. She let him do so in silence. (laughs) This There are moments when, like a mournful goddess, a woman accepts with resignation the religion of love. (laughs) I feel like that's Hugo being like, yeah, women aren't into that, but just kind of (laughs) resigned to it. That is my friend who is like consistently, consistently have, because she's one of my only straight friends who consistently has straight men dating her for a while and then being like, hey, so, um, feet. And she's like so resigned to it at this point. <laughs> Literally every time she talks to me about a new boyfriend, she's like, Nemo, guess, guess what the fuck they just said to me. Oh, she's Cosette. She is resigned to this. Uh, so yeah, he's like, oh, don't cry. And she's like, well, I may be going away and you can't come. And he's like, do you love me? She's like, I adore you. Still sobbing. He's like, don't cry. Now, will you do that for me? Will you not cry? And she's like, well, do you love me? And he's like, Cosette, I've never given my word of honour to anyone because my word of honour frightens me. <laughs> Well, I give you my most sacred word of honour, that if you go away, I shall die. Oh, no. And he's so solemn and melancholy about it that she's like, oh, shit, it's not playing. She trembles. She's seized with dread. It actually stops her weeping because she's just like, Uh, and he's like, now listen, don't expect me tomorrow. She's like, why not? He's like, don't expect me until the day after. He doesn't want to tell her why. Like, she keeps being like, oh, well, 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 why not? Um, A day without seeing you, that's impossible. And then under his breath to himself, he's like, he's a man with rigid habits and he only ever receives visitors in the evening. 
Mm. Um, she's like, who are you talking about? And he's like, me? I didn't say anything. You're like, don't gaslight my cow. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, like, one of the worst housemate experiences I ever had was this, like, uh, couple who shared a house with me in my second year, second and third year, and they were both, like, depressed poets. Oh, and they both, like, had that the the graveyard thing was like a hundred percent them and like they both did the like oh my god one of them was like oh I I just love kissing her because she tastes like cigarette ash and I was like that's oh god. Not, that doesn't that can't be <laughs> okay <laughs> but this like idea of like doing that like I can imagine them doing this in the one tree that was in our garden and just like sobbing for two hours just like staring at the tree and then being like I'm gonna fucking kill myself and being like okay (laughs) I don't know what you want me to do about it but (laughs) they would have those intense breakups but also like but I love you so much and like yeah anyway this has given me quite big flashbacks of that it is like a lot of teen romance. Yeah. Like IRL teen romance as well. So yeah. like I guess that Hugo has accurately portrayed <laughs> what he set out to do. We're yeah. just like, oh god, I'm having to see it. <laughs> In front of my salad. I've known so many of these. I've been on one half of these. <laughs> where you're like, oh, you're gonna make that threat? I'm gonna call your parents to put you on suicide watch so did you mean it (laughs) god yeah yeah, the full fucking drums but yeah like just tell her i didn't say anything he's like wait until the day after tomorrow she's like that's what you want he's like yes that's what i want and it's like only now that he's like okay actually you ought to know my address because things can happen Mm -hmm. you never know so here's my address. I live with Kufarak. And then, just adding to your whole having to relive this, them having a fight by the tree and crying for two hours. This is also just such, like, big teen on main behavior. I couldn't believe it. Pulls out a penknife and wrote in the plaster on the wall <gasps> the address. Bastard! <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> you're a little... A, you pretend to be a lawyer, and B, you've actually got a job being a little writing boy. You do not have any paper on you. Uh, we know he has a pocketbook later on. Like <gasps> He's writing his fucking dream journal all the time. Yeah. And he's delivering and he's letters to her. Writing letters to her. Yeah. Like, yeah. So paper isn't too much le- for him. <laughs> <laughs> this is two adults being like, do you know how much it's going to fucking cost to replaster that wall? That's just so unhinged. <laughs> What's Jean Valjean gonna say when he sees that? Like, it's not subtle. Like, how, how are you gonna hide? Like, if it was in the dirt or something, then she could like kick it over. But like, what what is she feasibly gonna do to disguise the fact that he's written his whole fucking address into the plaster? That's in the like preview. So like, next time on now, he takes and we get the scene of him carving it and it's a flash to like, might be some unrelated scene of Jean Valjean losing his shit. Maybe he actually only stubbed his toe, but they've edited it to really look like he's going to kill this boy for carving into the plaster. What is that? Uh... Anyway. Yeah, because that's still like, just tell me what you have on your mind, Marius. Like, 
I'm going to have a sleepless night otherwise. And he's like, yeah. what I have my in mind is this. God can't possibly want to part us. Expect me the day after tomorrow. So he's giving her nothing. And she's like, what will I do until then? You're out and about. You get to come and go. Men are so lucky. I'm going to be left all on my own. I'm going to be miserable. What will we be doing tomorrow evening? And he's like, I'll be trying for something. She's like, fine. I pray that you succeed. I won't ask any more questions since clearly you don't want me to. You're my master. <sighs> She's just going to be like singing sad songs in the time he's away. She's like, you better be here by nine o'clock sharp. I'm warning you though. Like, dear God, how sad it is when the days are long. You've got to be here at the stroke of nine. And he's like, yeah, I will be. Not another word spoken between them. Prompted by the same thought. Kind of like they're going through it, but also <laughs> exactly like your ex-housemates, reveling in the delight of even of yeah. their sorrow, they fell into that each other's them. arms <laughs> without noticing that their lips met, while their oh. raised eyes, filled with tears and brimming with ecstasy, contemplated the stars. Oh my god. Marius leaves and the streets deserted because by now this is when Eponine was like skulking after the villains to make sure that they'd left. She's carrying um, their fucking shit the entire I, time. You're like, well, I would like I don't want anything to happen to Gazette, but you're like, yeah. maybe if like <laughs> they'd entered the garden and she would have spooked, and then Jean Valjean would have come out and wrecked shop. They would have left earlier. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something would have certainly happened. And he just, yeah, Marius just leaves brooding and he's like, oh, I've got to make a desperate resolve. Woe is me. It's a whole thing. Who the so. fuck cares, Marius? <laughs> he just like, yeah, as you were saying, it's like he turned on a dime. It just, you don't have to be like this. <laughs> Sometimes maybe we're too hard on him. And then God, Victor Hugo reminds us why we're like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, honestly. We just need to remember this bit. Because that's yeah. just like, not even red flags anymore. It's like, the sirens are blaring. That's abuser 101 shit. It's Sarah being like, he's worse than the books? And you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> well... I'm glad that he's not the protagonist of this novel and we don't spend <laughs> any more thinking about him. <laughs> mm. Mm. Like, I completely get why, especially if you've mostly just done, say, the movie, mus well, the musical mm. in theatre or film form, that it's like, yeah, he's pretty fucking pathetic. Like, I loved his pathetic, as I said many times, I loved how <laughs> pathetic he was uh, in the one that we just saw. But he's just, like, the worst. Truly, truly is. Truly is. And I wonder how different it is if he's played, like, not by a charismatic, young, floppy-haired, nice boy-looking fella. If he's played by someone who isn't intended to be, like, an attractive hero, how quickly these things would fall down. But it's like super reliant on people feeling kinder towards him. Mm. Well, I mean, they do cut out most of his worst attributes and moments. Oh, 100%, like, yeah. I, you're like, I'm sure, like, also for a mixture of time constraints. But because, like, yeah, I was thinking as well because you know the scene was with Eponine was so close to her. This that bit in the musical. Yeah. That 
in the musical she's just like oh i'll scream which was also yeah. like that's that's plenty badass that she's like oh no i'm willing to do that putting myself at risk but in the book she's like i'll scream and like she just like stood there like i'll fucking fight every single one of you yeah and it really he really reiterates like how tiny and like skeletal and just like so weak of body because you know she's been starving for forever but mm. that she's still like i'll fucking fight you like come on like i'm not afraid mm. of you so we like lose that bit yeah and then Marius, we just get the uh, like, and it, it makes for, for narrative purposes makes complete sense that he's just like la la la. I'm so pathetic. I'm just here to be in love. He he he. But you're like, you're such a little piece of shit sometimes. <laughs> Maybe it is just an accurate portrayal of certain types of teens, but yeah, not on our watch. It's quite funny that um. The, the like I was gaslighting myself when we were first in the Marius bits because <laughs> you were like kind of on his side a bit or like even even if not like 100% on his side but like still like oh he's like a nice guy and now you're like what the fuck <laughs> and I'm like that's what I've been saying I, well, I didn't I wasn't... know him yet <laughs> <laughs> you gave him the benefit of the doubt that's and dead. I was like he's bad um, he was just you know. a bit pathetic yeah i apologize yeah. for ever being like <laughs> some of these things you do are similar <laughs> but yeah. unlike Cosette, when we saw his true colors we're like well fuck this shit i'm out get out of there if only Cosette already had her <laughs> drag mother javert <laughs> you already is predisposed to not being pleased with this boy. No, like you know that if if Jean Valjean saw this scene play out, he'd have already thrown Marius over the fence. Yeah, you know the thought that I just had there as well, which is that Cosette starting in the the uh, Muriel um, Jean Valjean house, but they are too safe with their drag. And she wants to try more increasingly experimental and like weirder drag. And they're like, oh, it's not safe. You need to stay on our side. And she's like, no. And she goes and does dangerous things unsupervised because they won't let her do it safe and supervised. Um, yeah. So that's my final thought on 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 drag. Try le le drag. <laughs> There is a rag. <laughs> Surely there's a, a better way of drag her up, blah. Drag her up, blah. We'll work a... it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before next episode, we'll either have forgotten or have a 100k fic. So. Mm. With okay. us, probably forgotten. <laughs> but the, um... Yeah, that, that's the nicest note to end and think on. Yeah. <laughs> um, on, on on that, this has been Brandon Barricades, Aluma's podcast. If you have any drag ideas, you can send them to us through email at lumaspodcast at gmail.com, L E S M I S podcast, or on Twitter, Lumas Podcast, or on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. If you want to give us a five star review, you can on Spotify, Apple iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. 
And if you would like to give us money for our good thoughts and excellent drag AUs, then you can on Kofi or Patreon, which are both in the description. I think that's everything, so... Goodbye!